Support for the Legislative Gazette comes from New York State United Teachers, a union of professionals standing with more than 600,000 workers in education, human services, and health care with the Our Voice, Our Values, Our Union campaign. And United University Professions, representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State. Frederick E. Cole, President, UUPinfo.org. New York Governor Kathy Hochul became the first woman in state history this week to be a major party nominee for governor. The state Democratic convention also featured Hillary Clinton as keynote speaker. Both expressed their concerns about the deep divisions in contemporary American politics. The Legislative Gazette's Karen DeWitt reports from Manhattan. Hochul says she wants to address the deep political divides in the state, help New Yorkers recover from the damages of the long COVID-19 pandemic, and protect a woman's right to choose abortion. She cited the example of another New York governor and president, Theodore Roosevelt, and his analogy comparing politics to an arena. Who's marred by dust and sweat and blood, in stark contrast to the timid souls who sit on the sidelines. I said for the first time in history, a woman has entered that arena as governor. Hochul's been in office for six months after former Governor Andrew Cuomo resigned in a sexual harassment scandal, and she already has a hefty campaign fund of over $21 million, solid standing in the polls, and widespread support within the Democratic Party, as well as from several major labor unions. She pledged to continue working to revive the state's economy and protect the rights of black and brown and Asian New Yorkers, as well as the LGBTQ plus community. And she says she'll work to combat gun violence and ensure criminal justice for everyone. The governor, who was interrupted by hecklers advocating for tenants' rights and immigrant workers, says she intends to run her campaign like an underdog. Here's my playbook. You run with confidence, but with the tenacity of an underdog. You take nothing for granted, and you fight until the very last second. Hochul's speech was preceded by that of another Democratic woman who has broken barriers, Hillary Clinton, the 2016 Democratic presidential candidate, former U.S senator from New York and former first lady. Well, I am delighted to be here with our terrific governor, Kathy Hochul. And Clinton last addressed the state Democrats 22 years ago when she was running for the Senate seat. Clinton, who lost to former President Donald Trump in 2016, says just because Democratic candidate Joe Biden ultimately defeated Trump does not mean that the division and madness is over. She offered a stinging condemnation of the Republican Party, saying they are normalizing and trying to cover up the deadly insurgency at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, and perpetrate the big lie that Trump actually won in 2020. They'll ban books, but do nothing about guns. They'll make it harder for people to vote, but easier for big corporations to bust unions. They'll let polluters trash our environment and let Donald Trump trash our democracy. That's why I intend to work my heart out to elect Democrats up and down the ticket this November. Before Hochul can run in the general election in November, she first faces a primary. One of her opponents, Jumani Williams, put his name 
came forward to request that he receive the 25 percent of the delegates' votes needed to avoid petitioning to get on the ballot. Williams got just over 12 percent of the vote. He'll now be collecting signatures to secure his spot. Long Island Congressman Tom Swasey spoke to the delegates at their closed-door breakfast, but he did not ask for their vote. He says he'll also be petitioning in the coming months to qualify for the June ballot. At the State Democratic Party convention in New York, I'm Karen DeWitt. listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustina. Joining us now, Legislative Gazette political observer Alan Shartong. Well, Alan, the New York State Democratic Party held its convention this week, and there she was, giving the keynote address. Hillary Clinton, the 2016 presidential candidate, focused on touting Democratic values and arguing that Hochul, that's Governor Kathy Hochul, and her running mate, Lieutenant Governor Brian Benjamin, were the best choices to champion them. Of course, Hochul received the nomination. The other thing that Hillary talked about in her keynote was to brush off a new round of accusations, Alan, that she spied on former President Donald Trump. We can't get distracted, she said, whether it's by the latest culture war nonsense or some new right-wing lie on Fox or Facebook. Quote, by the way, they've been coming after me again lately. It's funny, the more trouble Trump gets into, the wilder the charges and conspiracy theories about me seem to get. So now his accountants have fired him and investigations draw closer to him and right on cue, the noise machine gets turned up, end quote. Well, I think she certainly has that right. Look, we know that the Republicans need a bad guy. And the bad guy in this case is not a guy but Hillary Clinton. They've used it before. They worked the machine. And she's right to point out exactly what they're doing and how ridiculous it is. But that's what they're doing because that's what they've got. And what about the nomination for Hochul? Is it easy sailing now? I would think so. I mean, I don't see that there is going to be a substantial alternative, although you never know, because between now and primaries and other times, anything can happen. Anything can happen. A governor can run into a a bad spot, and a Swazi may win. Now, remember that Swazi, a Long Islander, uh, comes from the New York metropolitan area, as opposed to uh, Hogel, who is a, a Buffalo region uh, candidate. It has always been the case that the New York uh, establishment goes for New York people. Uh, we don't know whether that will change here. So Tom Swasey is putting himself out there. And right now, it looks like he doesn't have a chance. But in politics, you never know. So far, the polls are showing her to be quite comfortable. To plead the fifth or not to plead the fifth? That's the question facing Donald Trump. From the AP this morning, after a New York judge Thursday ordered the former president to testify in a long-running state civil investigation into his business practices, barring a successful appeal, Trump would face a decision between answering Attorney General Letitia James' questions or invoking his Fifth Amendment protection against self-incrimination. Trump has often equated such silence with evidence of guilt. Legal experts say the former president could be unpredictable in a deposition and also faces political risks in remaining silent. 
Well, we do know that Trump will do what's good for Trump. And if the only thing that he can do is to plead the fifth in order to put this thing off for a while, he'll do it. I don't think he wants to do it because it doesn't look good for a president of the United States to invoke their own Fifth Amendment rights because, as Trump himself has said, people don't plead the Fifth if they haven't done anything wrong. This is a guy who wants to be president of the United States again. So we have to sit back and watch the choices that he makes. It's not looking good for him. You know, David, I've been thinking about this a lot, and my sense of it is that the Republicans now have a tiger by the tail. If Trump gets the nomination, and if he wants it, he probably will get it because the rank-and-file Republicans are still behind him, they'll probably lose. We see it in the polls. We see it in every other way. But if they get a more moderate or even not so moderate Trump version, you know, a DeSantis or somebody like that, they might win. And that's got to be bothering them quite substantially. Well, we should remind our listeners that New York's gubernatorial election system is different from the presidential election system. Candidates for governor and lieutenant governor run separately in the they party do. primaries. And yeah. we know Hochul's pick, current lieutenant governor Brian Benjamin, former state senator from Harlem, who she appointed to the role in August. But how important is a lieutenant governor pick in New York? Well, let's put it this way. Hochul was the lieutenant governor. Right. Did anybody think she was going to be the governor under the auspices of Andrew Cuomo? No, but she is. You know, vice presidents and governors are one breath away from getting to be the top person. And that's what happened in this case. And so therefore, it becomes a very important thing. If you don't believe that, ask Harry Truman. Well, an important issue that has grown in stature in the battle between New York's Republicans and Democrats and even some Democrats disagree with each other. It's bail reform. You have mm. the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, on Tin Cup Day coming in and battling with Democrats in the state legislature over the bail reform and not allowing judges, for example, to have discretion and determine, quote, dangerousness of an individual before mm. allowing bail. You've got the head of the state Senate, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, saying, quote, dangerousness in bail law, a non-starter for legislative leaders. And of course, Republicans all over the state are claiming that it's the bail reform, despite many arguments to the counter, that's created an uptick in violent crime, including many gun crimes. Well, let's put it this way. If somebody is dangerous, the judge knows it. So if you have a bail reform set up, which creates difficulty in giving the judge some leeway, then uh, you have a really bad situation on your hand. You're letting bad people go. Listen, people aren't stupid. They know it. And the number one thing for most people, David, is the fact that they are careful about their own safety and the safety of their families. So bail reform, which started as a fairly liberal idea, you know, that everybody's entitled to bail, and if you only had a dollar in the bank or if you had nothing in the bank, then your bail should be very, very, very low. Well, on paper, that's correct. It should be. If a millionaire can put up whatever they need to put up in bail, why shouldn't somebody who has almost no money be able to do that? That's what bail reform is all about. Turns out that this is not a popular concept with the voters, and all of a sudden, what looked like a good way to go for particularly Democrats now turns out to be very difficult for them. And that's where we are. Bail reform looked good in the beginning. Now it looks bad from an electoral point of view. Legislative Gazette political observer Alan Charton. 
You are listening to the Legislative Gazette, program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustina. Your Governor Kathy Hochul signed a bill this week in Troy reviving the office of the Chief Disability Officer to advocate for people with disabilities. The Legislative Gazette's Dave Lucas was there and filed this report. Should have been done yesterday. Uh, and I have a person at my side who's going to do that, and that is Kim Hill. Kim is going to be our state's very first Chief Disability Officer, our Chief Disability Officer. The Office of the Chief Disability Officer was first created by Governor Mario Cuomo but fell by the wayside under Governor Andrew Cuomo. Hill most recently served as the principal analyst for the New York State Assembly Standing Committee on People with Disabilities. She says she's ready to take on the new position. Today's a day that we need to celebrate the signing of this bill. We've worked lots of years to get to this place. Then we get to go to work, and we've got a lot of issues. We've got home care, they're paid for home care, housing, education, employment, more ADA access, and improving access to all types of programs and services, all the state agencies that we're going to be working with. So I'm really, really excited. Hochul says she has set the bar very high for Hill. I want New York State to be a model employer. I've looked at other states. I've talked to governors. I've talked to lieutenant governors in the seven years I was lieutenant governor. And I know that there's others who are we're breaking territory that we've not yet accomplished. Let's see what's out there. Let's be the model that other states look to, and I believe we can get there. And also what I'm going to be doing in our budget is authorizing state agencies to designate over 12, up to 1,200 positions be filled by qualified people with disabilities. Let's give people a real shot, a meaningful chance. And that'll be include up to 500 positions for people who are qualified wartime veterans with disabilities. Democratic bill sponsor James Skoufis is in his second term representing the 39th State Senate District. I've been at this for five or six years. I remember meeting with Doug Hovey in a coffee shop when I uh, took on the task force for people with disabilities in the assembly and learning about this issue. I, many of you have been at this for longer than five or six years. It turns out all we needed was a new governor who cared about people with disabilities. And, and let me say that Governor Hochul in about six short months has done more for the disability community than the prior 11 years. Hovey is the longtime president and CEO of Independent Living Incorporated of Newburgh Junction. Democrat Phil Steck of the 110th District sponsored the bill in the assembly. According to Hochul's office, Hill will serve as the state's coordinator for the implementation of the Americans with Disabilities Act, correlate state activities to ensure that state programs do not discriminate against and are accessible to persons with disabilities, and ensure that such programs provide services to individuals with disabilities in the most integrated setting appropriate. Hill's office will represent the interests of the disability community in state government by reviewing proposed legislation and regulations to determine their impact on persons with disabilities. The bill becomes effective April 1st. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Dave Lucas. The Adirondack Park Agency Board unanimously approved Governor Kathy Hochul's recommendation of Barbara Rice to serve as executive director of the agency. Rice has had a long career in public service. She was a Franklin County legislator and was its first woman chair. 
She served on the Adirondack Park Agency Board from 2016 to 2018, and she most recently worked as Assistant Secretary of Economic Development in the Governor's Office, where her priorities included expansion of broadband and supervising Olympic Regional Development Authority capital projects in preparation for the 2023 World University Games. Rice tells the Legislative Gazette's Pat Bradley she's honored that the Governor recommended her and grateful for the Board's approval. This is such a thrilling and exciting opportunity for me. I, um, you know, obviously have been living away from the park for a little bit. I grew up in Saranac Lake, born and raised there, and my heart is always there. Um, During my time in the executive chamber as Assistant Secretary for Economic Development, I did have the opportunity to work very closely with the energy and environment staff. You know, they tended to, to pull me in on any issues that came up Um, around the Adirondack Park just because they knew I was a local and had familiarity with that. So I think when this opportunity, um, when I found out about it, I saw it as both a great move for me in terms of being able to live back in the Adirondack Park in the North Country and to continue to work on many of the issues that I worked on while I was Assistant Secretary. But, you know, I'd done almost four years in the executive chamber. I was just ready for a change, ready to be able to really focus on an area that I love. Barb Rice, as you move into leading the APA, what do you think the agency's main concern is right now as you take the reins? Sure. You know, I don't know if I can tell you, you know, what the main concern is. I think there are lots of things um, that, you know, we'll be working on that are priorities and that are issues that, you know, the agency is facing. And I think I'll probably start with a real listening tour, getting up to speed on agency issues and, you know, ongoing priorities. I'm really looking forward to meeting with the board members, some of whom I served with and know well and the staff and getting briefed on what they're working on, what their suggestions are, what their ideas and recommendations are. So I can't necessarily answer that one question for you right at this point. In terms of the things that I think are obviously priorities and things that I'm interested in are the issues around housing. Um, You know, that is obviously something that is, you know, really important and it's an issue that is um, definitely something that communities and community members are are very concerned about. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity from the agency standpoint um, to work on some of the public infrastructure needs and and to address some of that by moving some development from more resource-sensitive land classifications to Hamlet. I think um, this would allow us to maybe build higher-density affordable housing, and that is something that, you know, when I was working in economic development, obviously, it's such a great need, and it's something that we're hearing across the state. But I think it's really even more, you know, amplified in the Adirondack Park. So that that's really of interest to me. Um, another thing that I think I, I'm really ready to kind of dig into in my new role is to continue to work on telecommunications, cellular service, and expanding on the progress that the park agency has already achieved over the last few years. You know, they have issued, I think, a a large number of permits for towers. Um, But I think we can really take a look at the Cellular Task Force report 
um, that was something that I was, you know, intimately involved with um, when I was in, you know, the executive chamber. There's a lot of information and data in there specific to the Adirondack Park and the Catskills, but one of the things that I think would be very helpful to, to take a look at is the, the drive testing data. We did a lot of drive testing to identify gaps in cellular service in the park, and I think that we can, you know, use that and, you know, come up with some really innovative solutions like small cell um, to help close these gaps and, and to do this in a way that will have, you know, the least amount of impact on the environment. So that's an area of uh, particular interest for me. Barb Rice, the budget for the APA, some people have said that the agency has been one of the state agencies chronically underfunded. Is that something you are planning to also address, particularly with your background in fiscal areas, economic development, and things like that? Obviously, uh, another one of my priorities will be to kind of dig down and familiarize myself with the budget. You know, I really haven't had that opportunity yet, but I do think that under Governor Hochul, um, we have a lot of opportunity with her. Um, she has, you know, obviously a strong record on the environment. She's no stranger to the Adirondacks. She's very uh, supportive of the park agency and recognizes the Adirondack Park as one of the state's, you know, most valuable resources. And, you know, she will leverage the Environmental Protection Fund to invest in preserving the Adirondacks for New Yorkers for generations to come. One thing that is kind of exciting for me that is in the budget, and if it's approved will be a great project, is, you know, building a new APA headquarters. So that, you know, if the budget is approved, would be not only very needed, believe me, because I've been in that building as a member of the board, but very exciting in terms of being able to build a, a, you know, show really innovative, environmentally sound, green, you know, building and design for, um, you know, office complexes. And, And I think that will be a great project once the budget is approved and hopefully if that is in there in April. So I'm really excited about that and looking forward to that. You know, the other thing about that is it, it also would kind of coincide, we get to go ahead on it, um, with the 50th anniversary of the implementation of the APA Act. So I think those two things, a new building, 50th anniversary, those are really exciting things. But in terms of really granular um, detail on the budget, I haven't had the, the, the opportunity to sit down and take a look at it at, at this point. Barb, some people are pointing to your background in economic development, your fiscal background, and are a little bit concerned that you don't have as much of an environmental background. How do you respond? And what is your background in environmental priorities, environmental issues? From my standpoint and from the work I've done, you know, throughout my career, I don't see this, you know, complete separation between economic development and the environment. I feel those two things go hand in hand. They are not opposing issues. And basically, good, sound land use planning um, is essential to um, economic development. 
And that's something that I've been working on pretty much throughout my whole career, whether it was, you know, um, when I was with, you know, local government, with the village of Saranac Lake, in my role as a legislator, um, and obviously something that, you know, I, I dealt with um, and had the experience with in my role as a commissioner on the Park Agency Board. Um, so moving forward, obviously, I, I will continue, you know, to use that experience and understanding you know, in my new role as executive director. I know at least the Adirondack Council has, I don't have the exact quote, but they have raised some concern about your economic development background as opposed to your environmental background. Yeah, you know, I think what's important is for me to meet with those groups and to get to know them um, and, you know, to make sure that they understand, you know, where I'm coming from. So, you know, ultimately it's really about communication and making sure that we're communicating and collaborating um, in, in the right ways. APA spokesman Keith McKeever briefly interjects. I think that Barb, she's got a wealth of local government experience, and it's going to be really important moving forward especially with the $4 billion Bond Act out there. She's, mm. she's going to be able to really help with her experience to make sure that communities have a good opportunity to seize upon that Bond Act so that we could really address water infrastructure needs mm-hmm. and, and public infrastructure needs within our communities. And the Adirondack Park Agency Act, it, it states in our mission that we're supposed to, to focus on channeling growth to where it's most appropriate. And Barb's local government experience and her experience with economic development and understanding how to use community development funding is going to be really important moving forward in addressing those really critical needs for small communities in the Adirondacks. And ultimately, by channeling growth where it's most appropriate and where the land can sustain it the best, you know, we're going to continue to prevent the sprawl of development and really protect open space. Barbara Rice continues. And I'm looking forward to working with all the stakeholders, you know, local government, the environmental advocates. And I can tell you that also in my work in the chamber, I I often met with them. So I am familiar with the advocates. Um, I've met with them. I will want to take time to really sit down and meet with them as well to find out what their priorities are, what they're thinking about, what their ideas are. Um, That's all going to be part of my listening tour and getting up to speed on, you know, everything and anything that I'll be working on in my role as executive director. Barbara Rice officially begins her new job as executive director of the Adirondack Park Agency on March 8th. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Pat Bradley. And that about does it for this week's show. We had help from the New York State Public Radio Network. For copies, call 1-800-323-9262. That's 1-800-323-9262. Ask for program number 2207. Or just listen or schedule a podcast on the web at wamc.org. And join us again next week at this same time. For more news on New York State government and politics, for the Legislative Gazette, I'm David Gustina.